Welcome to the Family Photography Marketing Podcast, where we dive into the world of marketing and help you take your business to the next level. I'm your host, Fiona, a marketing expert with 10 years of experience in the family photography industry. And in each episode of this podcast, I'll be sharing my insights and strategies for successful marketing to help you navigate the ever-changing landscape of digital and traditional marketing techniques. So whether you're just starting out or looking to fine-tune your marketing approach, this podcast has something for you. So join me and let's get started. Hello friends and welcome to the Family Photographer Marketing Podcast. Today we are going to be talking about the marketing metrics that you should be tracking. So I talk a lot and have in past episodes about how it is so important that we get to the point where we are marketing as unemotionally as possible and as data-driven as we can be. The reason for that is if you are marketing emotionally, meaning that every time you put something out, the results of that content mean something for you personally, you will burn out very, very quickly. Especially with the new changes in all these algorithms, there's lots of times where I have put a lot of my heart into creating something and put it out there and it flops. And if I were to decide that that flop or fail meant something about me personally, it would probably really shut down all my marketing efforts and start to affect my mental health. So that's why this switch over to data is so vital. So what we're going to do is go through a couple of marketing channels and also some offline resources that you can use to track your data. And then you can lean on that data to spend time making content that will actually be seen by the people that matter because that's the whole goal. Okay, so on the Instagram main feed, when I am posting, what I'm looking at are shares and saves. Shares are great because it means that someone finds enough value in your content that they want others to see it or they want to share it with their audience, which is awesome. That is a great metric to track. Saves is another one because it means that that person wants to come back and relook at that content or it was meaningful enough in some way, the image was beautiful enough, you wrote something, you connected in a way that that busy individual does not want this information to slip out of their grasp. So that save metric is very, very key. I do not pay attention to follows because I know how many people in this industry, unfortunately, still purchase likes and followers. And even comments can be really tricky because so many photographers I know are still in con- in comment engagement pods, which I totally understand why photographers are in those pods. It's definitely feels a lot safer to post something and know that people are actually going to comment, even though it may not be genuine, than posting and, you know, smashing into this feeling of failure. So I understand. I, as a marketing educator, discourage pods because it messes with your own algorithm. Instagram has explicitly said that they do not like people to do that. Um, And also it's just inflated. It's not real data. So if you're in a pod, I was in one in probably, oh man, 2018 or nine or 2000, maybe 17 or 18. I can't remember. But I remember when I was leaving the pod, it was really hard because I went from every time I post I would share that post to the group. Everyone would comment on it, like it. It's so it doesn't, it never felt bad, 
but it wasn't genuine. And so when I left the pod, of course, I had spent no time building up real engagement. So I would post and it would be crickets. And that was definitely a tough time on my mental health. But in the end, it made me a better marketer because I started really diving into the data. Okay, so on Instagram stories, the metric that I like to pay attention to is the back button. So if you go to insights, stories, and then you see a little word that's back, it's under the insight category, then what that means is that someone was watching your story, but they wanted to watch it again, so they pressed the back button. So that's kind of a powerful story metric because that means that, again, someone is saying, well, wait a second, what did she say? What was it? Um, And so that is very important to me. Also, when people engage with stories with um, like reactions, that's also meaningful, maybe meaningful to me because I know that the way that a lot of people engage in stories is they kind of just let them play through or they click through really fast. So if there was something that caught their attention enough to react to it or go back, then I can be like, okay, this particular story was meaningful. So I can lean into creating more content like that or showing more images like that or whatever it is. So the uh, back button is only available, the data for the back button is only available when the story is up. So that's not a metric that you can check like once a month or something. That's a metric that you need to be checking real time. If you had a story or a set of stories that you're curious about how it was actually performing, go back into that insights category and and check that button because that's the most clear way for me to tell. Instagram story engagement is very interesting. Mine is completely erratic. So I'll start usually off the week with a really, really high number of views. And then towards the end of the week, it pitters down to really, really low. And I think from other people I've talked to that that can be pretty normal. There are ways to kind of reset those metrics so you can let your stories die for 24 hours, which I've talked about before, or you can, when you do come back on from that 24-hour break, you can use the type of tools that Instagram is pushing, like polls and questions and that sort of thing. But again, you have to be careful that you're not just putting content out to be seen. You still want to put content out that makes sense for your brand. What are you booking in the next three weeks to three months? What are you trying to talk about? How are you helping clients? Not just to get views. That's not the goal. When it comes to Pinterest and emails, so if you have an email list, which you definitely should, the metrics that matter there are website click-throughs and favorites. So on Pinterest, there's a favorite button. That one I pay attention to. The most important thing for me, however, especially because Pinterest metrics can be kind of more vanity metrics than real. Like you can get a ton of viewers or views on Pinterest, but that doesn't necessarily mean that those people are actually clicking through to leave Pinterest to go to the source of whatever you're posting. So for me, like I have a couple uh, Pinterest posts that get 30 plus website click-throughs a month. That's a very powerful metric for me. I care more about that than the 100,000 views or whatever it says that I get because I don't know how to interpret that data to actually help me better. But the fact that people are seeing an image, this the one I'm thinking in particular is a newborn image, they're clicking through to a newborn blog post. So if I know that that's happening and I know that people are actually arriving on my site, I would then wanna make sure that from that website page, they would be able to book with me, learn more. So often I see that Pinterest pins lead to dead links or unused pages or off-brand pages. So you want to be make sure that if you do have 
a post on Pinterest, for example, that is getting traction, you want to make sure that when people arrive at the destination, if they do do a click through, wherever they arrive is helpful, on brand, easy to navigate, and, you know, ideally sets them up to contact you, get on your calendar, take the next step towards booking. I've that one pin has brought me quite a few newborn sessions because when they click through to it, it goes to that blog post. So they trust is just going higher. They see that image. They loved it enough to click through from Pinterest, which is a very meaningful action. Go to my website. They saw more of that trust goes higher, higher, higher. They can click through. They see my booking link and bam. They're now on my calendar. Does that happen for every single person? No, but if I had that image that was doing really well on Pinterest and it went to a page that was completely off brand or unhelpful, then I've just lost the ability to convert that person from a person who is in the looking stage, the the beginning stages of falling in love with my brand to someone who now has broken trust and probably leaves my site. So with Pinterest, you want to check, I would say at least once a month on pins that are doing well, check those website click-throughs. And especially if you have content that's older, because that's one of the beautiful things about Pinterest is that things keep evolving. It's not like Instagram where you post something and then after a month, probably no one's really going to see that anymore. Some of the pins that I have, I posted back in like 2018 and they're still bringing content or they're still bringing actual humans to my website. If I'm not checking that though, and I have a pin from a while ago that now suddenly is picking up traction, which has happened before, and I'm not checking to make sure that wherever that person is landing is an actual good place for them to be, that they're not landing on an old page of my website or the link isn't broken, I'm just losing out on data. So you do wanna make sure you have in your schedule to check on those sort of metrics. Emails, again, you want to be able to use an email provider where you can see if you have a link in there or you have a a call to action in your email, you can see if people are actually clicking through. Also, email metrics that are important are open rates. If you have a really, really low open rate, I think the industry standard is like 24%. So it's really not that high anyway, 20 something percent. I can't remember the exact one. So if you're at like 5%, you might have a copy issue, meaning that your the copy of your title is off. So that could be something that you want to examine. But again, if you don't have this data and you're just assuming that everyone who gets your email is opening them, you can't evolve to become a better marketer. Okay, so reels, sorry, I skipped reels when I was talking about Instagram. So I pay attention to new people that come through from the reel, like new followers and how people engage with that reel. So reels have, to me, the least amount of data and they're the most risky for doing what you don't want to do, which is to go viral. And I know that that may sound like the opposite of the marketing advice you'd expect to hear, but going viral really does very little for you unless you are selling a mass-produced product. If you have a specialized brand, your real going viral is going to, and I know this from experience, just bring in the most random people. If it goes really viral, you're going to have to deal with hate and spam in the comments and it becomes a part-time job in its own right. So the goal is never to go viral for me. That has never proven to be a good marketing strategy. Consistency is what matters. Playing around with different features like right now the one I'm playing around with is Reels templates. So they're so easy to use and I really like to use them, but I am noticing that the engagement on those is a little bit less than the ones that I make 
from without a, without a template. And I don't have enough data right now to know if that's true, but at least I'm tracking it. Okay, so when we're talking about offline marketing metrics that matter, right? So much of marketing is based on what we're doing online, but especially I feel like going into 2023, we are all going to have to swing our focus offline as well. So when it comes to those metrics, here's what matters to me. Referrals. Who is referring? Can you thank them? Can you gift them something like a print or an amount off of their next session? I mean, I think leaning into referrals and word of mouth is going to be incredibly powerful, especially because marketing online is becoming so much more expensive and it's so much less visible than it was even two or three years ago. So if you can have a system within your business to see if someone sent that client to you, that is very, very valuable data. I don't like to have a written metric of this just because, I don't know, it's not part of my booking process, but I will ask at the session and make a note of it. So it's just part of my conversational getting to know you. We're walking to the session location together. I'll be like, how did you find me? It's such a valuable metric. That's how I learned that I had quite a few clients coming from Pinterest. So I was like, oh, wow, I need to lean into that marketing channel. And I wouldn't have known that had I not asked. So you you can either make it a point to ask at the session or you can have it be part of your booking strategy. My issue with it being part of the booking strategy is I feel like there is a high chance that people will just click the first and easiest answer there instead of answering honestly. Whereas at the session, they're probably going to answer much more honestly because they have no incentive to not tell you where they found you. So if you haven't found a way to work it into your pre-booking strategy, just work it, work it in sometime in the session. Client shares and tags. So, so this is like online, but it's really your client's online behavior. And I do like to look at this data. So like, I love to read the comments. If a client of mine posts their images, I love to read the comments to see what people are saying. It gives a lot of insight to me. It can say things like, oh, I love X, Y, and Z about this image, or I love how relaxed you look, or I love how playful these are. It gives me data about my own work and how people see it, which can often be really tricky when I'm the photographer looking at my own work. I know how I want people to feel about it, but reading these comments can really give an insight into how your work is received by the public. Okay, reviews. This is another important one. Getting reviews is definitely something that should be part of your strategy. I know it can be a little bit tricky because people have to take time out of their day and write write the review. Um, that's why once you get a certain number of reviews on Google, um, I think it's if you're not having success getting more reviews, I would honestly just ask for feedback in a more playful way. It can even be in like a story question on Instagram where you can say, if you had a session with me, what did you love most about our session? Um, But if you do have a selection of reviews that you have for your business, try to see if there's any themes within those reviews because that'll give you a really good insight into what really matter to people. So the main theme in my reviews that I get is this was so much more fun than I thought. I get that all the time. So then I know that the fear before the session was that it wasn't going to be fun, that it was going to be a lot of work. So how can I market using that data to help potential clients overcome that and see that working with me is going to be a fun experience? If people are constantly reporting that, they're constantly then reporting on what their biggest pain point was and how I solved it. So reviews are full of all kinds of helpful marketing data that is sometimes overlooked. Okay, if you have a, back to online, we're going to sales strategy or ad strategy. So if you have an ad strategy, which if you 
have followed my content for a while, you know that I think it's really, really a good idea to have a very low cost engagement ad running on your Instagram and Facebook um, posts at all times. I'm talking like a dollar a day. The reason for that is because you are then giving Instagram and Facebook very, very valuable marketing data about your audience. And when, let's say, the time comes that you do have something that you really want to book and you do an ad, it's going to be so much more successful than if you just out of the blue run an ad. And face on Facebook's end, they have no data and they have no information about your audience about how to who actually clicks and looks at your stuff. So I always recommend running a very low cost engagement ad on your brand if you're on Facebook or Instagram, just because it's such a valuable, you're giving so much valuable data to Facebook and Instagram should you ever need to run an ad. If you never need to run an ad, no big deal. It doesn't hurt you really to to do an ad. Um, it's also good practice and good I just feel like it gives you a little bit of confidence as a marketer to know that you know how to run an ad. So that is done through the ads manager on actual Facebook. I'm not talking about boosting a post. I'm talking about actually going into the ads manager on the back end of Facebook, which can look a lot like the most confusing place that you've ever gone in your life. So my advice would be to Google how to run low cost engagement ad and literally have that Google page open as you do it and and have like tunnel vision and don't look at anything else because why they have made that ad manager thing so confusing, I have no idea, but it really is overwhelming when you first go in there. Okay. So when you do have an ad, what you care for is the cost per click through. So that means that you, you, we've all seen ads, right? So like you see an ad, you scroll past it, you scroll past it, but you linger on it just enough for them. They keep trying to show it to you because they're trying to be like, do you like it? Do you like it? But do you like it? And then eventually you might say, oh, okay, yes, I like it. I'm going to click, or you're going to keep ignoring it at which point they'll stop advertising to you. So on the Um, creator side of that, you want to see how much it's costing you to have people click through because that'll give you some good data points about whether or not your audience is actually lined up with the type of imagery and content that you're creating. All right, so back to our website. What's important there to pay attention to is the bounce rate. So if you have a really, really high bounce rate, it could mean that there's a trust issue on your site. It, you want it doesn't mean that every single person that comes to your site and bounces away does so because they don't like what they see. It could be any number of reasons that that happens. But if you have a consistently high bounce rate, you may want to examine whether or not there's a trust issue from people who, when they are experiencing your brand, however they find it, they've they've been referred by a friend, whatever it is, and they go on there and they're like, oh, this actually isn't what I wanted, or this isn't matching the image that I fell in love with online when I found it or whatever, you do want to pay attention to that bounce rate. That's very valuable data on your website that I think is often ignored. So you can see what page people came to and how long they stayed on it. Again, you need to be able to view these metrics. So make sure on your website platform, you have a way to view that, or you can view it through Google My Business, or they just changed the name of that, but it's basically like the Google Business Platform. It'll give you insight into these things, and it's very important to pay attention to them. On your website, the other important metric is the time that they spend on your website. So you can see which pages are drawing them in, and the longer they're on the page, the better. So for me, my homepage, I want to have 
as long of a time as possible for people to spend on that page. That's why I recommend having a long website scroll and ideally some sort of video on your homepage because it'll keep people there longer. That helps your SEO because you don't, it'll, it'll lower your bounce rate. If we look at SEO from a Google side, so Google saying, okay, people are searching for Seattle family photographer. They click into my site. There's a high chance that people who use that search term and click into my site are going to be like, yes, this person is clearly a Seattle family photographer. They have lots of information here. The images are pretty. I'm going to stay here. There's a, I have a video right on my homepage and they can watch that. So I'm keeping people there longer, which then tells Google that this is a good result. If people type uh, Seattle family photographer, my website pops up and I'm selling like cookies, that person's going to click away and be like, well, that's not what I wanted at all. That's the data that Google uses to be like, okay, this is not a good result for that keyword. So that's why time on your website is important. Okay, back to Instagram. (laughs) I'm jumping around a lot. Uh, Back to Instagram, you can also look to see who has been engaged with your content the least, and then you can have a little campaign if you want to, especially if you have a smaller number of really dedicated followers, which is, of course, actually the place you'd I'd rather have someone be than have a ton of non-engaged followers. So if you do have that, you can go back through and have sort of a campaign to re-engage those people. So that information is on your insights if you have a business page. So you can go on there, it'll say, least least interacted with and it'll actually list out the usernames. So if you want to re-engage those people in your brand, you can do that. Okay, let's say that you feel like maybe you're new or you're just starting out and you don't have a lot of data coming through from all of these things yet. Maybe you haven't created a lot of content, maybe you don't have a lot of referrals, maybe your website just went up, then you still can get data by asking past clients or potential clients. So we have these tools to be able to ask our audience all of these things. What made you nervous about booking or what is stopping you from booking? That sort of data or like how how easy was my site to navigate? Did you get stuck anywhere? I think sometimes we fear that asking will make us seem unprofessional, which I know I've said in past episodes, but it is so important to kind of get over that ego issue and just know that what we want is to create the best possible experience for people. And of course, that's what people want. So it's okay to ask. If you ask like, when we had a session, did you feel supported in the styling help that I gave you? What would have been more helpful? Those two questions alone could revamp your entire styling process for clients. You can ask about locations. Did you feel like it was easy to understand the locations that I offer? What could have been more helpful? Overall session prep, did you feel supported? Were your questions answered? Those are real world tangible answers from the people who matter. So it's okay to ask them and it's okay to check in and you can even have a process. If you, I think the best way to word it, people love to be helpful. So if you say, hey, I'm in the building process. I loved our session. I was wondering if you could give me any feedback about this. I won't share it from your point of view. I'll just use it for my own information to better build my client experience. I know that if a brand asked me that, I would be more than happy to help them because as a client, and if I, especially if I love the image that I got from them, I would want the next session I have to be even better. So don't be afraid to ask. That's my little nudge. If you feel like you don't have enough data from all of these other data points, ask and get the data and then incorporate that data into your marketing. Okay. So I hope this episode was helpful. If you have any questions, you can always find me on Instagram. I'm Fiona Margo over there. 
Um, this episode is sponsored by my online marketing class. This is actually the last one of these I'm going to be doing. So I'm going to be turning the marketing class that I've been teaching live into a course, but it'll be more expensive. The course will. So if you want to come to the live class, you can, it's tomorrow, 1030 to 12 Pacific standard time. And there is also a replay going to be sent out if for some reason you can't make the class. So the class is titled four steps to a trusted brand or a four step marketing plan. I haven't decided exactly which way I'm going to go with the actual course name, but if you'd like to join us, there are still a few spots left for that, and I will see you guys next week. Mm -hmm.